You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. the United Press, the world's best coverage of the world's biggest news. The 10 biggest news stories of 1948, as selected by the editors of the United Press. Number one, the election of President Truman. Number two, the Berlin airlift and the Cold War in Europe. Number three, high cost of living. Number four, Mrs. Kafenkinia's escape from Russian consulate. Number five, assassination of Gandhi. Number six, death of Babe Ruth. Number seven, Chinese civil war. Number eight, U.S. spy investigation. Number nine, founding of Israel, Bernadotte assassination. Number ten, son born to Princess Elizabeth. There you are, the ten biggest news stories of 1948. In a moment, we're going to recreate some of those stories for you. But now, behind the scenes, for a word from Earl J. Johnson, Vice President and General News Manager of the United Press. With still another story behind the big headlines of 1948. Here is Mr. Johnson. Yes, 1948 has been quite a year. A year of tragedy and fearful suspense. A year when men and women all over the world were wondering. Wondering if now again, after so short a time, the sounds of war would have drowned the sounds of peace. In China, it was war. In Greece, it was war. In Palestine, it was war. In India, an assassin's gun cut down Mohandas Gandhi. In Palestine, Count Bernadotte died. In some parts of the world, men kept their lives, but lost their freedom. At best, peace everywhere was troubled. That was 1948. And everywhere, the need for accurate, prompt, impartial reporting of world events became more urgent. That's our job. The job of the United Press. More than 6,000 trained and alert United Press correspondents work around the globe, around the clock, so that you may have the world's best coverage 
of the world's biggest news. But now, back to our ten biggest news stories. First, it will be Walter Rumble in Berlin. The Airlift, number two on the list of the year's ten biggest news stories as selected by editors of United Press. This is Walter Rundle, United Press Manager for Germany. Of course you know about the airlift. You know that two and a half million Germans in the western zone of Berlin depend upon those American and British planes for their fuel and food. More than ten million pounds each day. The biggest peacetime effort ever made by any nation or group of nations. Winter makes it bad enough. And now, to make it worse, a thick fog has settled over the field. But still the planes are battling their way through. It's almost night. Not far from Templehof Airdrome, Alexander Kipka and his family are sitting down to a supper made up mostly of powdered eggs and dehydrated potatoes off the airlift. We want to drop in on them. But first, let's visit the radar shack where the big planes are talked down. This is your final controller. Your gear should be down and locked. We're trying to bring you in. Your altitude should be one, two hundred feet. Maintain your heading. Steer right. Steer right. This will be your final approach. We're four and one half miles from touchdown. We're bringing you down the center of the runway. Yes, over Germany, in blackness and swirling fog. An American pilot, perhaps someone from your hometown, is trying to bring a precious cargo of food and fuel for Berlin safely to Earth with the help of radar. And only a little distance away, the Kepkis are having their supper. No, I tell you no. I can stand no more of it. I cannot go to the forest all day and eat it. This spill at night. But Alice... I tell you no. I will do something oh, I... But I... Alice... I... I know. You worked so hard. And I did try. I even tried to make your favorite for you. Potato pancakes. But but these potatoes will not hang together. But, Alec, I did try. 273 seems to be holding your right, 33. Start your rate of descent at 300 feet per minute. Alec, I did try. I tried so hard. Oh, I know. I'm a boot. And you so sick, too. Oh, sick because I cannot get the house warm or get good food. And look at me, a wood chopper. Oh, Alice, you used to look so fine in your big office. But, Alice... Yes? We cannot blame the Americans. The Russians would let us starve. And, Alex, what if the Americans should go away? No, 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 we cannot blame them. They are not going away. Their airplanes prove that. You'll have to increase your rate of descent, 3-3. You're coming down the center of the runway, but you'll oh, have... But now I must do something. The Americans promised me coal, but I cannot wait. Perhaps if the house were warm again, you would get well. Maybe the horse will... No, Alex, no. Promise me you will not go there. Promise but me. But I, I... Alex, promise me. If you go, it will be like Herr Schiller. Herr Schiller? Three days ago, he went to the city hall, and he, he has not come back. They say the Russian season. Oh, Alec, promise me. All right. I promise. But what of the cold? Perhaps tomorrow the Americans will have it for us. Oh, 
Yes, it is on that very train we are hearing now. Three, three. You'll have to increase your rate of descent. You're coming down the center of the runway, but you are 80 feet high. Too high. Increase your rate of descent. next, you ask? Why, the pilot took his plane back into the sky after the approach failed and headed back for Wiesbaden, 300 miles away in the American zone. They only get one chance at Tempelhof. Another plane is only three minutes behind. It costs $100 a ton to fly supplies to Berlin, even in good weather. The 10 tons on that C-54 will cost twice as much. But the value of the airlift isn't counted in dollars. Alexander Kepke will get his coal, and his family will continue to have food. The American people can know that a tremendous victory has been achieved in Berlin, and that the Russian blockade so far has failed. The story of Babe Ruth, number six on the list of the year's ten biggest news stories as selected by editors of United Press. First, we want you to listen to the voice of a man. The words were recorded on a gray, dismal day last summer at Yankee Stadium in New York. More than 70,000 people were in the stands that day, and down on the field were many of the great and near great of baseball. They had gathered to pay tribute to this man who was a national idol. But listen. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. You know how pay my voice sounds. Well, it feels just as bad. You know this baseball game of ours comes up from you as news for the boys. And after you were a boy and grew up to know how to play ball, then you come to the boys you see representing themselves today and your national pastime. Would you recognize the voice? Perhaps not. But wait a moment. That same afternoon, that same man had left his room at Roosevelt Hospital on his way to the stadium. A crowd of youngsters clustered about the hospital entrance. Here we go, bud. Babe, will you sign your autograph? I'll sign for me too, babe. Me too, babe. Will you, huh? Will you? Of course you know now. There was only one man that children and grown-ups alike loved like that. Babe Ruth. United Press baseball editor Carl Lindquist will tell the rest of the story. There was a conspiracy against Babe Ruth. The nicest, friendliest conspiracy I ever knew. Probably almost until the last, Babe Ruth didn't know how ill he really was. But we knew. We knew that the babe was a victim of cancer. But the doctors weren't ready to tell him, and we didn't want to. And so, until the end, it was a conspiracy. A friendly conspiracy against the babe. We're going to tell you about Babe Ruth, the home run hitter, in a moment. But first, a story about another side of the Babe, a side he didn't talk about. One day in a New York hospital... Here's someone to see you, Ronnie. Yeah, Ronnie, someone you've been wanting to see, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth? Yeah, kid, we heard you couldn't get to the ball game, so we came up to see you. Gee, Babe. Look, kid, we brought your baseball. <laughs> All the Yankee players autographed it for you. <laughs> 
Hey, now, look, you're not crying, are you? No, I'm not crying. I just don't... Uh, I know. Hey, look, tell you what. First homer I hit this afternoon will be just for you. Yes, the babe's heart was as big as he was. In fact, the babe's most noticeable quality was bigness. He set the big records in baseball. He hit the most home runs, got the biggest salary, struck out the most times, batted in the most runs, ate the biggest meals, had the biggest stomach ache, and he was the game's best showman. One of his greatest moments came at Wrigley Field, Chicago, during the World Series of 1932. There was bad blood between the Yanks and Cubs that year, and as usual, everyone had their eye on Ruth. Root was at the plate, and Charlie Root was pitching. Root's first pitch, fireball, right across the center of the plate. Root holds up one finger. Root is getting set for his next pitch. Root holds up a second finger. Why, it's almost as if he's trying to go Charlie Root into giving him another one across the plate. Ruth is getting set for his third pitch. The next one may be the payoff pitch. Ruth is stepping out of the batter's box. He faces the crowd. He's pointing right over the center field wall. Ruth is saying the next one will be out of the park. Here's the pitch. Going, going, gone right over the center field wall, exactly where Ruth said he put it. Babe Ruth captured the imagination of the American people as few men have. He was Mr. Baseball. Great showman, practical joker, loved by kids, a man of courage. Even in his last illness, he still took on the job of setting up boys' baseball clubs for the American Legion. His death, coming far too early, should help focus the attention of all of us on one of the great tragedies of our time. The toll taken each year by cancer. Yes, those were two of the great stories of 1948. In a moment, we're going to reenact more of those great stories. But first, a word from your announcer. And now, back to Cavalcade of 1948. And to another truly great story. It will be told to you by U.P. correspondent, Richard Harris. This is Ostania Kosentina's escape from Russian consulate. Number four on the list of the year's ten biggest news stories are selected by editors of United Press. I am Dick Harris. Let me begin the story of Mrs. Kosentina by introducing you to some of the characters. First, a representative of the Soviet embassy in Washington. The Soviet Union rejects the American stand as unfounded and contrary to fact. The rights of Soviet citizens have been violated. Yakov Lemakin, Soviet Consul General in New York. The woman was kidnapped by white Russian guards at the Tolstoy Foundation. We rescued her. And from the farms of the Tolstoy Foundation, a retreat for anti-communists. Rescued her? 
You kidnapped her. And now, from the 52-year-old schoolteacher who was the center of all this, Mrs. Oksanya Kasenkanya. They have destroyed my entire life. I never want to go back to Russia. That was the story as it began to unfold last August 12th. On that day, Mrs. Kosenkinia leaped from the third-story window of the Russian consulate in New York. A Russian announcement said, The actions of a kidnapper and of American officials have driven Mrs. Kosenkinia in her despair to the attempt of suicide. And Mrs. Kosenkinia? I was like a bird in a cage. I did not want to kill myself. I wanted to escape. What was the real story? What could drive a woman like this frail schoolteacher to one final act that would mean either death or freedom? Well, to find out, we've got to go back 11 years to 1937 to the Russian city of Slovyansk in the Ukraine, where both Mrs. Kostankinia and her husband were teachers. Ah, wonderful. A good home, a wonderful family. Oh, if your pupils could see you now and your sisters are all in it. Well, let them see me. For now, I'm comfortable. Then, it is wonderful, is it not? So wonderful. What would I do without it? <laughs> Sometimes I, I have horrible dreams. I dream that something has happened. That something has happened to us. To our family. Happy. What could happen to us? Things only happen to politicians. We are not politicians. We are only school teachers. Even Mrs. Pesenkinia's nightmares could not have foretold what was to happen a few days later. Open up! Open up! I'm coming! What the hell? What do you I am coming! I'm coming! Mr. Holmes, Damien Kosinkina? Yes. You are Damien Kosinkina? Uh, I am. You have to come with us. No, 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 no. Oh, why should you want to be me? I, I, I have done nothing. You have to come with us. Come. Now. But where are you taking Where are you taking me? I have to know. I will send you. I have to know. Oh, where are you taking him? I do not know where I've gone to. Not that was in 1937. Four years later, Mrs. Kostankinia left Slobiansk to visit her son, Oleg, a first-year student at the university in Moscow. It was there that she was to suffer her second great blow. Oh, not you. You are not a soldier. You are not trained. You are all I have. Really, into a storm trooper division. He had no training. In Leningrad, in January 1942, he was killed. They had destroyed my entire life. I spent all my life on my husband in Russia. For Atsanya Kasenkinia, life in Russia ended with the death of her son. From then on, her one aim was to get away, preferably to the United States. In her own words, I felt if I got to America, I would be able not to return to Russia. Her chance came two years ago when she was brought here to teach chemistry to the children of representatives of the Soviet government. 
for Aksanyakat Senkinya, they were two happy years. But last July, time was running out. The ship returning her to Russia was to sail July 31st. On that day, she fled to the refuge of Countess Tolstoy's farm. But one week later... We are friends of Countess Tolstoy. And we would also like to see Oksana Tolstoy. Won't you come inside? This is Kosyampina in the kitchen. You see, here we all help with the work. And this is Kosyampina. Uh, here are friends of yours to come and see you in the Countess Tolstoy. Friends? Friends? from the Countess. How did you get here? What are you going to do? Do? Dear Oksana Stepanova, we got your letter. We have come to rescue you. My letter? But I only meant to tell you, to tell you why I did not want to go back to Russia. Come, Oksana. Come with us. We have the police. Come, be quick. But I... Oh, right, I... Oh, oh, don't go, they suit you. Oh, don't go! If they suit me, it may be the best thing for me. For the next five days and nights, Mrs. Pertengenier was to live on the third floor of the Russian consulate in New York. Two women were in my room to guard me. They laughed at me. Why did you do this? Do you think you are under arrest? Do it, do me, do me, do me. I cannot sleep. And the girl was in the room, and she began to cry too. I got up to get a cold drink for her. And it was then that Mr. Sankin you saw her chance. The door of the Soviet Council General's living room was ajar. A window in the back was open. I made a dash for a Lamarckian's room. I climbed up to the window's window. I looked down, and I was very tired. I crossed myself and jumped. You know the rest of Oksana Kasankinya's story. She was rescued and taken to the hospital. Ninety-nine days later, she was ready to leave and to take up a new life in America. She greeted Newsman for the last time. For you, I put on this feet and I have painted my fingernails. Oksana Kasankinya has found her chance for a new life in our country. Her story is full of drama, but the things she sought, freedom and the opportunity for happiness, are typical of the American way. Now, here is Lyle Wilson, United Press Manager in Washington. He has a story to tell us, a story of another kind, but another typically American story. The election of President Truman, number one on the list of the year's ten biggest news stories is selected by editors of the United Press. This is Lyle Wilson. This is more than the story of an election. This is the story of a man no one believed could win. That is, none except that man himself, Harry S. Truman. I remember the stormy night of July 14th. A lonely man sat in a ramp outside Democratic Convention Hall in Philadelphia, watching the trains roll by. Secret service agents surrounded him. One held an umbrella over his head. The man was sitting out there on the ramp. It was President Truman. For hours, he'd been waiting to be summoned to make his speech accepting the Democratic nomination. But inside Convention Hall, the split had developed that many thought would kill all chances of Democratic victory. It was the now famous Civil Rights Issue. 
The chair recognizes the delegate from Mississippi. Mr. Chairman, the state of Mississippi believes in the state's rights amendment. If that amendment is rejected, you will be voting down the Constitution of the United States. The chair recognizes the delegate from Minnesota. Mr. Chairman, the people of Minnesota believe the president is to be praised for his courage in issuing a new emancipation proclamation. The South no longer is going to be the whipping boy of the Democratic Party. The civil rights group won in the end. But immediately, the Mississippi delegation and half the Alabama delegation walked out. And it was a disheartened convention which later heard President Truman say, Senator Barkley and I will win this election and make those Republicans like it. Don't you forget that. Yes, I guess all of us were skeptics. If ever a man seemed all alone, it was President Harry S. Truman. We read the surveys. We even heard predictions about who would serve in the cabinet after Dewey was elected. But everyone reckoned without Harry Truman. The presidential special was traveling the length and breadth of the land, and Mr. Truman was talking to the people. At Dexter, Iowa, that notorious do-nothing Republican 80th Congress has already stuck a pitchfork in the farmer's back. At Wilmington, Delaware, Herbert Hoover once ran on the slogan, Two Cars in Every Garage. Apparently, the Republican candidate is running this year on the slogan, Two Families in Every Garage. At Cleveland, what this country needs is not a new president, but a new Congress. At New York, Dewey may follow me across the country, but he won't follow me into the White House. In Brooklyn, I have good news for you. We have the Republicans on the run. We are going to win. Fighting talk. Yes, good fighting talk. But still, it didn't seem possible. It wasn't until election night that we really began to see what was happening. I was at United Press Election Headquarters in New York that night, in charge of the UP election staff, which reached into every county in the nation. And the mounting returns were telling the story. 9 p.m. Truman leads by 120,000 votes. 11 p.m. Truman leads by more than 900,000. 1 a.m. Truman leads by 1,100,000 votes. 5 a.m. Truman leads by 1,200,000 votes. 11.14 a.m. Wednesday. Dewey concedes President Truman elected. Yes, the man no one thought could win had won. Harry Truman had proved the best forecaster of them all. And at Independence, Missouri, he told the people... And I'll have to just say to every single one of you individually that I'm going to do the very best I can to carry out the Democratic platform as I promised to do in my speeches over this country. And we have a Congress now, and I'm sure we'll make some progress in the next four years. Thank you all very much. Now back to Vice President Earl Johnson of the United Press, and that's Cavalcade of 1948. The ten biggest stories of the year are selected by the editors of United Press. And now, the correspondents of the United Press all over the world, join me in hoping with you that 1949 will be a better and brighter year for all. Cavalcade of 1948 was presented by the United Press, 
The voices of Babe Ruth at Yankee Stadium and President Truman at Independence were recorded from previous broadcasts. All other portrayals, including the story of Mrs. Kosenkina, were by professional actors, based on previously published newspaper and radio accounts. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.